Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 62. Brad's on vacation this week, so I'll be taking the reins here for a bit. And we are both extremely excited to bring to you guys our first full-time contractor on the show. Kyle Stuppenhorst is the owner-operator of RR Buildings, and he makes some amazing post and frame buildings ranging from barns to dream shops and something he likes to call a shome. Kyle left a desk job in computer science to follow his passion and has never looked back. He's fairly new to the YouTube influencer space. He jumped in about nine months ago when he completed the building for Jimmy DeResta you guys might have seen on social media. He currently has 70,000 subscribers on YouTube and he just hit 100,000 on Instagram. But before we get into the show, I want to thank our patrons this week, Justin Gortman, Richard Borland, and Alex Fang. Thank you guys so much for joining the tribe. If you're interested in becoming a patron, head on over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit and sign up today. Now, before any further ado, let's get into the conversation with Kyle. All right, guys, we are here with somebody who is not in the woodworking space. We are super excited to have Kyle Stumpenhorst on. He is a contractor and a builder of massive, amazing buildings. Kyle, what is up, my brother? Welcome to Made for Profit. What's up, Brad? What's up, John? How are you guys doing today? We are well. We're stoked to have you on, dude. Like Brad said, uh, probably the first uh, builder we've had on besides Sean, Sean Van Dyke. He's a, he has a contracting background, so we're excited to bring you to the Made for Profit audience, brother. No, I'm excited to be here. It's. I think it's great that uh, we can bring in people, you know, across different uh, experiences and platforms. And and being a contractor and a builder specifically, you're going to have some really awesome insights. So we're we're looking forward to it. But just because probably a lot of our audience doesn't know who you are, why don't you give us a little quick rundown on you know what you do for your business uh, and how you how you kind of got into it? Just uh, give us the the brief five minute version. All right. Uh, that's good to say five minutes because I talk a lot. Uh, I started as a computer science major. So believe it or not, I went to college. I got the computer science major and I sat in an office for a year and a half and hated life. I realized that I could not do that forever. And I've always just loved doing things with my hands. And at that same time, it was just by coincidence, my in-laws sold us a house on the farm. So me and my wife bought it. We got married and right about that same time, we totally gutted this house. Don't know why we did it. I should have bulldozed it. Um, but in retrospect, like that process of redoing my own home, uh, I fell in love with just building and using my hands to make something from nothing. And one thing led to another. I convinced my wife that I was going to quit my day job and become self-employed. I didn't have any experience other than the remodel. But I did have a dad who was always pretty handy with stuff himself. So I jumped in, um, took small jobs at first, people from the church that just knew me and trusted me to do a good job. And one thing led to another about five years. 
goes by. Um, I built some houses, done some additions, done some pretty good size remodeling and new construction in the residential market. I had a family member reach out and say, hey, uh, we're going to put up this barn garage post frame structure. Are you interested? And I was like, well, I've never done it before, but uh, typical Kyle fashion, I'm just going to dive into it and did it. And it was like, right then I knew that not only did I love like the process of building the post frame, I was always going to be outside. I was going to be starting almost always from scratch. Um, so no more remodeling. I mean, there's a place for it, but it's it just I had grown to be where I just wanted to build. You know, I wanted to start fresh. And uh, from then on, I thought I'm going to just start specializing. I'm going to really try to, you know, put myself in a niche where that's what I do. I want to be known as the custom post frame guy in my area. and you know, that's probably been six, seven years now. And it's, it's paying off. I mean, it was a, it was a hefty decision that, you know, meant I turned down a lot of stuff I could have made money at, but just wouldn't have got me to where I am today. So that's me in a nutshell. I build custom post frames and live out in the middle of Northern Illinois. So lots of barns to be made. So for those who (laughs) don't know, you know, what's, what's a post frame? Okay. So good question. A lot of people typically think of like a barn. So when you go look at a farm and there's these big barns, um, they're typically post frame. It's a very old style of building where you've got main like timber structures, and then you've got some smaller framing that kind of ties it all together. And then you've got a skin that goes around it. It used to be wood. Now they're all being made out of metal. That's because, you know, it'll last your lifetime and it's very structurally sound. Um, we kind of try to do not the typical barn. So, um, you know, we like to do them fancy. We like to add porches. We like to put houses in them. Uh, people that got their sweet motor homes, they want a nice place to store it. You know, that that's us. That's what we're trying to do. Not your typical, just four square walls. That's awesome. Uh, I think that's what, what turned me on when I first saw your stuff, Kyle, is that, uh, you look at it and, and as a woodworker, you know, it, and as, as a lot of our audience is going to go check out your Instagram and and your YouTube channel, they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, my dream shop. You know, like every <laughs> yeah. woodworker's dream is to have this like amazing, you know, huge barn type th- or, you know, whatever it is, huge shop. And for me, I love that style of of the the barn look. And then when I started seeing your stuff, that that was what set yours apart is like all the little details. And, and I don't know the terminology and everything, but, you know, like the different roof lines and 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 the the upper area is the I don't know is a portico a thing I don't know but hey, like whatever you cupolas there you go portico cupola yeah. yeah Francis Ford Coppola I don't know but um, <laughs> Wait, what language are we speaking right now <laughs> I don't know but uh, yeah that's that's what I that's what I loved about it and uh, seeing those is is really cool so I, I, I like how it does have uh, a great crossover that you know people are using those for utility but then like you're saying like I so. When you're building those, are people then uh, basically doing a building within a building if they're making that into a house? And that's part of what they do as well? Yeah, uh, we've done quite a few of those where, you know, these guys are like, I talked my wife into putting up a house barn, you know, and that's really a growing trend in post-frame construction in general is these residential, they call them shomes or barn dominiums, which shome means shop and home in one. And I need a show, dude, I'm telling you when it comes to (laughs) efficiency, when it comes to just accessibility or the the need or desire to have just open floor plans with options galore, that's really where it comes into play. And uh, once people kind of get past the idea of it's a barn, because it really the barn is just 
you know, the, the mentality behind it, but you can do anything. We do a lot of stone on the outside. We can do different roof lines. You can do anything you want, but once again, it's all comes down to money and people that want to do a post frame home are usually looking for a less, uh, you know, expensive way to go because they don't have to do a lot of the traditional stick frame things like building basements. You don't have to do foundations. You can just, you know, um, build on top of either a pier or a slab in certain areas of the world. Uh, not by me. We got frost too deep. So you got to always get below the frost line. But, um, you know, it's just it's crazy because it's really developed into a lot more than just a barn. Uh, schools are putting up schools this way. Uh, fire departments, churches. There's a lot of different commercial applications that typically would be either steel or block. And post frame has really grown in that you know that area. That's awesome. I, I think the the cool part too is that, uh, and especially, it feels like there's been a resurgence uh, in in you know getting back to craftsmanship and just like Americana in general, right? And like you don't get much more Americana than like the barn. You know, the barn sitting on the big field. And it's just like there, there's something just uh, so attractive about that. And and you mentioned, you know, earlier we were talking about, especially if you have folks that are in the city, right? And they're like, they, they, that's their mindset of like, oh, this is what like Americana is. And like, man, that, that would be so cool to live out in the country and have this post-frame barn. So it, it's really awesome that your passion turned you into something. And now that that segment of business is is really increasing. I love that. And I'm, I'm sure we'll hit more on that. But you know, why don't you walk us through a, a bit about because a, a lot of our uh, a lot of our listeners are in those jobs that you were in in that job I was in. I was 17 years uh, in process improvement, mechanical engineering, et cetera, et cetera. So I know exactly where you're at, right? Uh, I, I stuck it out a lot longer, but uh, they're in there thinking like, I just want out of this job. Like, what did that look like for you when uh, when you finally decided like, hey, or like, how long did that take you? Like, I I hate this. You know, was it just the jump off the cliff or did you put some things in motion before you started going? How did that look for you? Well, I think, like I said, I had a little bit of an inkling that I knew I could be successful because I did my own house. So I was in the process of kind of knowing that I could do it. And I didn't know a lot, but what I did know was that I could learn, you know, so it was kind of like I wasn't afraid of my abilities. Um, the only thing I was really afraid of at that time was my wife. And her really, you know, just, you know, we, I remember we were sitting in bed. It was probably a month before my son was born, my first son. And I remember having that conversation, like, it's going to happen. I can't do this any longer. I'm going to go out and I'm going to quit my job. And uh, luckily for me, my father-in-law, they're big farmers. And so I had this sense of like, if things fall south, I could always probably help farm in my slower times. And he needed help anyway. So it was kind of like I could do that if I had to, but I never wanted to rely on anybody else. And I think that, you know, that's part of my mentality is that, you know, you almost have to jump off the cliff. You know, there's never going to be an easy time. It's never going to be perfect. But if you don't do it, you're never going to know if it's, you know, if it's going to work. And I think we've all heard those stories about people that are successful and none of them it all fell in their lap. They all went through struggles. They all had to work hard. And so, you know, maybe knowing that that was a possibility and being okay with that because my wife's a principal, she was just an educator, but she had a stable job. Um, that helps too, right? So it's not like I knew we were going to be 
losing our house because we couldn't afford it anymore. Um, it might be tough, but we could do it. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's kind of similar to how I got started when I when I began this. It was more of like a hobby. Like I built some pieces, woodworking pieces for myself, um, saw that it was enjoyable, something that I felt fulfilling, um, and then kind of just kept progressing my skill. I didn't immediately dive into uh, producing it for a living, but I did have that similar thought process to like, you know, think to myself, if I could win doing a small piece for me, you know, I could definitely produce these for other people and I'll continue to learn as I go. Um, one thing is uh, I was a, you know, always doing when I was um, beginning was consuming content and learning as much as possible. You know, fortunately for the woodworking space, there's tons of information on the Internet where you can pick up, uh, you know, skills and, and techniques and all kinds of info. Um I feel like it could be a little bit overbearing in what I do. And I definitely know it had to have hit you at some point where you were like, wow, how am I ever going to amass the knowledge to build, you know, full structures? You know, how did you go about that? Because I feel like I could look at the scope of a whole building and just be completely overwhelmed um, very easily. And I know you're not you're not like you're not an older you're, you're 35, right? Like you're not, it's not like you've been doing this for 60 years and like you just picked it up over time. Like that's a pretty short window to learn how to build uh, these pole barns, right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like this is a secret, but they're really simple, guys. Um, you know, <laughs> they anybody can go out and you know this, right? Anybody can go out and build a table, right? Anybody mm -hmm. can do it. Are they going to build it, you know, flawlessly? Are they going to do it with, you know, some design element that you got to almost learn over time? Probably not. But anybody can do it. Anybody can build a barn. Um, there are resources out there that show, you know, like Menards, I don't know how familiar you guys are with Menards, but that's a pretty Midwest, you know, box store. They started in the post frame world. They were builders. They decided that they could make more money selling packages. So that's why they opened up the first Menard stores by selling post frame packages. Well, that's where I used to get my packages from back in the day. And they had a little book, you know, it was like probably 15, 20 pages. And it had kind of like, you know, this is a post and these are your wall girts and this is how you set a trust, blah, blah, blah. Uh, anybody can do it, right? That's what they do. They sell packages to DIYers. So when I bought my first post frame package for my wife's grandpa, um, I got that little book. I, it probably took me, I think it took me probably like five or six weekends to build this little shed that now we would do in like three days, you know? Uh, but, <laughs> but the crazy thing is, uh, if you were to go to my Instagram right now and see the big building we just did, I mean, it was a massive building, huge shop. The, the basic idea behind everything in that building is the same for a 30 by 40 little garage as it is for a, an 80 by 100 shop. You know, I mean, the, the actual process really doesn't change. So I'm taking away some of the glamour and the challenge of what I do. But um, I was getting burnt out, to be honest, because it was getting to the point where building barns and post frames was was just easy. And it still is easy. But now I found this, uh, you know, more desire because I'm, I'm able to share a lot of this with people that are following along on social. And that's what's giving me some energy, to be honest. Yeah, that's really cool. Because I mean, I feel like Brad and myself are very invigorated by our by the community on social as well. You know, you, um, you get to spend a lot of time by yourself as a woodworker. And I mean, I know you run crews, um, there's a lot more people involved, but like you do have a lot of um, individual time in your own head. There's a lot of, you know, things that go into it, especially when you're running the company by yourself. 
Um, and getting to share that with the community can be something that is, you know, it's, it's simply just fun or is a release. You know, um, if you guys don't know, Kyle's Instagram is RR Buildings. Simply that one word together. So make sure you're checking them out on Instagram. Um, but that's kind of how I found you. Uh, we met at, um, I think it was like a Milwaukee show a couple years ago. And uh, I'd had been seeing your stuff because, you know, I, I dabble around in all kinds of things on Instagram. Um, and once I started to dive into it more, I was like, man, this dude knows what he's doing. You know, like simply, uh, I, I was think I was watching a video you put out yesterday on, um, I think you were putting some, uh, what flashings around a, uh, outside of one of the buildings. Um, and just like going into the details on cutting corners and like ha- not cutting corners, but literally snipping the corners, um, <laughs> on literally the cutting corners. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. And all that stuff. Actually- it, it's like, <laughs> it's like, my goodness, it, it can seem overbearing, but I guess as you put it, it's, it's just as simple as Brad and I, you know, milling down a piece of stock. Um, mm-hmm. and once you get into the process, uh, and, and you and you start to get rolling with it. Um, I think it's super impressive how you can scale something up as large as as one of these buildings are, and then come back down to it and put it in as simple terms as like you can buy a kit to do this. Like that's insane, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 something that um, it's almost like it's incomprehensible for me because they don't have buildings like this in Pennsylvania, or at least in Pittsburgh, because it's like such a old city that's stacked on top of each other and there's not like big vast spaces. Um, so I drive by a metal building and like stop the car and I'm like, I like point to my girlfriend. I'm like, dude, look at that thing. Like my buddy Kyle builds those out West. It's like, there's, isn't that sick? Like we're, I'm going to live in one of those. And she's looking at me like, what? <laughs> so I mean like, um, like, uh, so going back to the community aspect, like how much of an influence has the community had on this kind of like creative Renaissance that you've been going through with, um, you know, your, your, move from a standard pole barn to these kind of like luxury quote unquote livable um, style buildings that you've been getting into. Yeah. I mean, I think honestly it has probably to do with 75% of that move. I mean, I think originally there's a, there's a local builder in my area that just builds homes and every year you, you try to get on his list and he does like four homes a year and then maybe he's got like two or three years booked up. Right. But everybody wants him to build the home if they can afford it. My idea was always I want to be that guy, but I want it to be in the barn world and I want to be, you know, nobody's calling Kyle because he's the cheapest guy, but because he's the best guy. So that's always been my mentality. But then when Instagram came around, when, you know, I started sharing on YouTube, I had to look at what I was doing and I wanted to do it better. And it was not just because my customers were demanding it because they weren't. I was doing a good job based on the context of what I was doing. I was building these structures that were still on my eyes, maybe done with a higher level of quality than my competitors in the area. Um, but I wanted to set myself apart. And because of sharing so much on social media, you know, you, you start taking pictures of the process, the building, and I'm sitting back here looking at them saying, Hmm, that doesn't take as nice of a picture or that doesn't make as nice of a video. Like how can I do this? even better or different to really get people to scratch their heads and think, um, that's really cool, Kyle. Uh, so if I wasn't sharing, I might not be thinking about that. I might just be saying, this is what is acceptable. Um, it's still above, you know, the standard quality in the realm that I'm building in. So let's just go make money every day. But that wasn't what it was about. It's never really been about the money. It's always been about just, you know, 
when I come home at the end of the day and I'm tired, it's not that I'm tired of my job. It's I'm tired from like my work all day. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not like mad about what I do. Um, I'm just tired because I feel like I did something, you know, enjoyable, something that is, uh, fulfills whatever. I don't even know what it is. It's just this innate like desire to, to be doing what I love and I found it. And so now I can like kind of just go head, head first and keep trying to get better. And that's why Instagram has been so instrumental in that. Yeah, I love that. And I think that, and you know, you've got, I can't see the bottom of it, but the top of your shirt says work hard. So we know from watching your videos that you're definitely a hard worker. That is, you know, one of the best things that we talk about a lot on the show. Work hard, play hard. There you go. Mm-hmm. Is, is that, um, you know, working for yourself and, and the, the greatest part about having your own business is that you get the direct fruits of that extra labor, right? And we talk about that, that, that typically when you're in a day job, um, <clears throat> that's rarely ever a one-to-one, right? The more work you put in, you don't get like incrementally more hour or more time. Like in, in our world, in the self-employment world, a lot of the times, if you put in twice the amount of work, you can make twice the amount of income, right? And if you did that in a day job, you know, you're not going to go from making $50,000 in a job to making 100000 because you just worked extra hours. Like it's just not going to work. I mean, unless you're hourly and, and you're, you're paid by the hour, but like, you know, a lot of those salaried midterm jobs, like, you know, you don't, you just don't get that. Uh, especially heaven forbid, you know, your wife, my wife's a teacher as well. So, you know, the teaching world is just, you get nothing mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> no matter how much time you put in. Uh, but, but go back to when you got started, you're talking about the, the commitment of, of getting better at your craft and, and that being brought out by social. How'd you get into it? Like when you were, you know, how far along, into our buildings were you and how did you discover social media and what did that look like when you started jumping on? Um, I think I was very, not, I think I know I was very reluctant. I didn't do Facebook forever. I mean, I was just, it didn't interest me. You know, it was all about just working. And there was a point where, um, I think I was going through maybe some employees. I think I had, you know, either let go or some guys left. I can't even remember exactly, but I remember there being a point where my stress was reduced. Like I, I just remember this point where um, I think one of the guys that was working for me left to go do his own thing. And he was a great guy, friends forever. But I think having that extra person always there that I needed to manage added stress to my life. And when that ended, I was creative and I, and I know it sounds crazy, but all of a sudden it was like, I had this epiphany where I wanted to take pictures of what I was doing. I wanted to slow down. I wasn't as in a hurry to, you know, build. I was more like just enjoying what I was doing. And that, that took me to my camera phone and I started taking pictures and then I did Facebook. Then I found Instagram. Um, and one thing led to another. I honestly, it's weird because I never, I never, ever thought of myself as a creative content person. Um, it's just not me. You could ask my wife. But I remember her telling me, you know, it's crazy. You're not creative, yet you take these pictures of your buildings and they look amazing. And uh, um, I don't know, positive reinforcement, man. I just, people liked it. I kept doing it. It kept growing. And now I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> I know it's it's funny how things connect but like and and like where that takes you too so is did the social media because uh you know John mentioned earlier in the show you guys met at a Milwaukee event 
Uh, did the social media then lend into that work with the brands and bring in, you know, so like how, how has that also transformed? Like, are you using that um, for content creation as far as using that as a monetary source of your business right now? And how does, how does that work for you? Sure. Um, I, I'll go back first where it started because once again, like I got to this point where I was just enjoying everything and I wanted to share and so people would ask me, what do you do with this? How do you, you know, what tool are you using for that? So I just started sharing it. And then I had a guy reach out to me. I don't know if you guys know Toolaholic. I'm sure you've seen him on Instagram. Yep. He's huge. Kiefer's yep. an awesome dude. He reached out to me and said, man, like you would be a perfect candidate to show off some of these tools. You're out on site every day. I started doing it. Uh, DeWalt, then Milwaukee. Now just about every big brand out there, you know, I've probably been at least sent one or two tools, if not a lot. And I've I've not monetized it to the point where um, it's a, it's actually a source of income. Um, I've done a couple sponsored posts, more or less. I don't seek it out, and I usually tell people. I had a conversation the other day with a guy. I'm missing out. I know on a lot of potential sponsored, you know, content or promotional whatever. I've got a great following with a very organic feed, but until the motivation for me is monetary. It's really hard for me to take my energy away from doing what I just like doing to, um, you know, go out and find all that sponsorship. You know, I mean, it, I know you guys are sitting here like, uh, dude, Kyle would be easy. This is what we do all the time. I mean, you guys are full timers, content creators. Uh, I make my money and my living doing my content. Like that is just where all my money comes from. I'm not like an excessive guy. So I don't have this overwhelming desire to get rich. It sounds awesome. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure people are shaking their heads right now. I just haven't had that desire yet. I'm getting there, though, guys. I'm slowly <laughs> I'm slowly talking myself into it. Um, I just don't ever want to get into a situation where somebody's paying me to do something that I don't really want to do because I got away from that by starting my own business. Does that make sense, kind of? No, absolutely, man. I, th I think that makes a, a ton of sense. And I think that uh, that's, you know, it's really admirable in that sense. I guess, you know, the question in my mind, though, so I'm trying to connect because a lot of us, a lot of us get into it. And, you know, John and I, uh, you know, we make our living off it, like you said, is by growing that audience. Is that do you uh, how does that play in your business then? If so, if you're not directly monetizing with sponsorship, do you get a lot of um, inquiries and things like that? I mean, I'm assuming that because you do put so much time into the feed, you have an amazing feed and the YouTube videos that obviously those are paying back or using that more as just a marketing strategy at this point. Yeah, I think, you know, once again, I'm doing all of that out of a necessity because I feel a overwhelming desire to share based on the amount of feedback and questions I do receive daily. Um, it's a constant. I mean, it, you guys already know what it's like when you have followers and you're putting out content. People want to know how you're doing it, how you learned it, uh, ways to do it, blah, blah, blah. Like that's just there. And I never go to sleep without without answering all of my instant or my my DMs. I know that's crazy, but I, I answer all of them. Um, it's a lot of time. So I started realizing, hey, these people are asking me the same questions. So, you know what? I'm just going to start doing more long-term videos, you know, or, or long-length videos, put them on YouTube. One thing led to another. Now, I just had a customer, I want to say, yeah, the guy I'm going to build for next 
um, in my schedule, he found me on social media and he told me after I got the job, it didn't matter. He wasn't going to even price check or it didn't matter. He was just going to have me build it because he wanted us to build it. And I think he's the first guy, even though I've been doing this pretty strong, he's the first guy that came from social media directly. And, um, you know, it's crazy, but I'm in a word of mouth community. Most people know me, so I'm not really out doing this for advertisement. I get calls across the world now and it's a lot of work, but I get, I literally get phone calls from Australia, UK, Sweden, like all these European countries. They all want to know how to build a post frame. Um, I've had engineers and architects call and say, Hey, I was spec'd this building and it's got the RR building spec. What is that? I came across your guys's feed. And I, so I called you. It's like, are you serious? Like people are in, I think this was in the Netherlands was, uh, you know, looking for a post frame, went to talk to their architect and specced an RR buildings. And this guy's like, what the heck is an RR building? So he went to Google and found me, you know, but, um, there's more work than I could ever do out there because of social media. It's not like I can just build a building and ship it. You know, I wish sometimes I was building a a piece of furniture that I could create up and send out, you know, because I've done so much work creating a, a feed that could very easily be monetized and I could just sit in my shop and, you know, build off of, but I can't. So I realized either I'm going to go out and keep building buildings, keep creating content and, you know, doing what I love, or I would have to find some other way to scale all that back and monetize in the fashion that you guys are doing, which is, you know, more attainable in your shops, in your homes, doing, you know, somewhat of a smaller project, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think what's interesting is that um, there's 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 multiple ways to go about monetizing a following, um, you know, and, and like you said, uh, Brad and myself are more in the shop guys. A lot of our listeners are in the shop people, um, but we do have some contractors and, and, you know, some professionals who are outside of the shop that listen to the show. And I think you're a prime example on like the value add of um, creating content around what you're doing. I mean, you're um, the reason I got started on Instagram and such was because I was in a similar mindset. Like I wanted to share what I was, was going on. I felt like there was an awesome community that I could be a part of, as well as I felt like there was an opportunity to give back. Like I learned so much information online and from digital that I wanted to, um, you know, regurgitate that in some way and give my experiences back to others. So I started doing YouTube videos and very, very similar to what you're saying. But, but in that we'll get questions on our after show, um, and then people think that what they're doing is mundane and like you've built how many buildings now, you know, how many times have you set a post? How many times have you run a, a trust? You know, like, but to you, that might seem mundane, but to someone like myself or Brad, who's never done it, you know, that could be uh, that just little bit of information or that inspiration that could completely change our lives, you know, or and, and so in that, you know, we are responsible as the creators of the content to provide that, you know, now that now that people look up to us for that information, I think that you can see the value add to a brand like yourself, who, you know, there's not there's probably going to be a couple people that got into post uh, post frame buildings because they saw you and wanted to be you. And I think that that is just such a cool aspect of what social media can bring to the table. And you don't necessarily have to be doing sponsored content. You don't have to be doing um, YouTube videos on a weekly basis in order to pay your bills. You could just be following along with what's going on in the daily and still doing an amazing job of building a community and doing something as awesome as what you're doing. So I think you're like a true attestment to what the purity of social media can be, because I think you're still 
pure in it. I mean, we we know you uh, you work with tool companies and such, and you probably get a lot of a lot more tools than what you need these days. But in that, you're able to flip that uh, interaction and turn it into valuable information for your audience. Um, I see all the time you'll be given a tip or uh, a side-by-side comparison of impact drivers or using the Sasquatch or something um, and talking about it. Like that stuff's super valuable. So for our listeners that are out there thinking that, you know, well, I don't want to get into sponsored content and I don't want to be a YouTuber necessarily. You can still build a community around what you're doing that adds a lot of value to your following and a lot of value to the community without having to monetize it, without having to look at it as becoming an influencer um, and just on the purest aspect of it, give value back, educate, teach, help build everyone else up because you know there's going to be some young kid that's you know <laughs> 10 years younger than us that's going to hop on the train and start putting out post post frame buildings that's going to come light a fire under the whole community that just like you have and that you're going to be re-inspired again to go and do something big and extreme and that's how you build something up so for the listeners out there that think that you know Brad and I are just advocates for becoming <laughs> YouTubers and content creators for sponsorship's sake that's not so much it I think you're a great example Kyle of how you can build a following that is truly beneficial to your business more than it is to becoming transitioning out of what you're doing. Because I mean, could you picture yourself not building the buildings you're building anymore? That's a lot of building, but could you picture yourself not doing what you're doing right now in five, 10 years, you know, like that's what you love. And yeah. so why, why would you want to try to work your way out of it? Um, so you don't actually, you don't have to get into content creation to leave your situation. You can get into it to, you know, add value. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's vitally important. Yeah, I think that's exactly my whole point is that I'm 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 doing it because it adds value just to my own life, just to my own everyday process. It makes me feel like I'm being, you know, uh an advocate to the the industry, to the construction, to being like happy about working with your hands and and literally sweating every day, you know, and that whole work hard play hard mentality. It's like it's okay if you work hard. It's okay if you you know, aren't sitting in an office and don't have to lift your finger, but just type on a keyboard. Like there's a lot of value and you can make a really good living. I make good money, but it's a lot of hard work. Yeah. And uh, that like, I, I, I'm literally, I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm a little blown away, Kyle. <laughs> and, and like just the, cause I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, cause I know how much time you put in to, uh, to your feed and to your YouTube channels. And, 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 you know, I know the edit, we talked a little bit about editing. So I know you're doing your own editing, sitting there in iMovie. I know how long all this stuff takes. And, and, and quite honestly, I was, I was waiting for you to be like, Oh yeah, I get like 25% of my business from Instagram. Or I get like, so to hear that you, you know, that at this point as, as where you're at, that that's not really a big, a big source of your income is like, I'll be honest, it's super surprising to me. But at the same time, it's really like, I love what you just said. I love like that that is something that that you need. It's almost like it it's reinvigorated your business. And like you mentioned a little bit earlier, right? You were starting to get into the doldrums of like, oh, this is just another building. And I've done this, like, you know, I've set a thousand posts and this is just getting old. And to have something that uh, lights that so even though it's not directly uh, leading to monetary value that it has inspired you and, you know, indirectly created all this new value for you. And for now, a whole host of, you know, your 
hundreds of thousands of followers across the different platforms who are now looking at what you're doing and like John said, getting inspired and in either whether it's just entertainment, you know, for the the city slicker working the day job who just wants to pull up your video and watch it for 10 minutes during lunch, or it's actually somebody that's getting out there and like, I, I think I want to do this. Like that's, that's just an amazing story. I love it. And that it's, it's so much more altruistic and it's more for yourself than yeah, I'm you know, super selfish. the monetary value. It. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a hundred percent probably for me. That's where it all started because it was an outlet, but you said it and it's, and I, I usually tell people this and it's a hundred percent true as corny as it sounds. The, the messages that I get, you know, maybe three, four times a week from a, a kid that's still in high school or college and that says, dude, like I've been thinking about doing X, Y, Z, but now I want to go into building barns. Like, dude, nobody wants to build barns. It's a lot of freaking work. <laughs> it is a young man's game. Like I will not be able to, to work at this level till I'm 50. Like it just won't happen. Like I can still be able to do it hopefully, but it is a lot of work. Like rem I'm hoping that when I slow down, I can get back to remodeling or, you know, as crazy as this sounds, guys, when I started looking for ways out of that office life, I started building furniture. Um, there just was no place for me to sell it. So I just gave up on it, you know, but like, I love that. I will have an awesome wood shop in my shop at some point. Um, I just want to keep doing something with my hands. Yeah. yeah, I think it's super fulfilling, too, to be able to create and, and regardless of what the context is. Um, whether you're doing, you know, <laughs> a 20,000 square foot building or a cutting board, like there is a release there. And I think it's brilliant on how you approach it, um, and, and how much effort you put into it. So, um, for, for scalability's sake, for our audience, you know, um, why don't you tell us, tell us a little bit more about the business, you know, how many guys are in the crew right now? Um, for those of you that don't know, Kyle is literally still <laughs> on site, uh, I, I would assume all of your buildings uh, doing a lot of the work. You can if you follow his feed, I mean, from <laughs> from laying screws on all of your skins to, you know, putting in um, vapor barriers and on the roofs or whatever it might be. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about the scale of the business and how it went from uh, you doing uh, you know, family members barn to to where you're at now and how you kind of got there. Yeah. I mean, obviously I kind of hinted to it. I mean, I'm in good old farm country USA. So um, I'm always worried that there's going to be a point where there aren't any more post frames to build. Yet my wife's dad has a, a little old Cessna that he uses for crop scouting. You know, they go up and check the crops throughout the year. And usually once or twice a year, I'll go fly with him and we'll fly around and, you know, in like a 20 mile radius it's barns as far as the eye can see. And there's farms as far as the eye can see. And so, you know, I'm not really worried about ever running out of barns at this point anymore. Um, and people always say, Kyle, why don't you have more crews? Like I turn down work all the time. I can't do all of the, you know, the referrals I get just because I can't go that fast. I already work more than I really care to. Um, but I don't want to have multiple crews. Right now, we've got two guys that help me out. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, one of them's been with me. Greg, you guys have probably seen him on social media once in a while. He doesn't care about social media. He doesn't have his own, you know, stuff really. So I can't really link him. Um, but good guy. Picked him up right out of school. So at like 18 years old. And, you know, all he knows is what I've taught him and what he's learned through experience. So like I never really 
have to worry about him going off and doing something that I didn't ask him to do or the way I wouldn't want it done. So that adds a lot of value because I'm not stressed out about him maybe wanting to run the show his own way because his way is my way, you know, so we work really well together. And um, and then his little brother, who is, I think, 19, uh, maybe 20 now, he he started helping out, too, because it was just me and Greg for a while. And that's a lot of work for two guys. And so that's it. Three people. Um, I have a buddy. Actually, I, I should take that back. I have a buddy from high school that uh, we reconnected, you know, maybe in the last year. And he has his own job, but occasionally he comes out just if he wants a release. So um, he, he's, you know, he's a good just extra hand sometimes. But I don't want multiple crews. I don't need more people. Like two to three guys is just fine to efficiently put up a building because I've invested a lot in tools, in machinery, and just the process to get it done with minimal hands, you know? And, and I think that's probably the biggest contributor to my success is that I don't got a whole lot of overhead. Um, I don't have a whole lot of people to manage. I'm on site doing it every day and it's always done to my quality. So, you know, it's kind of keeps, keeps growing. So on a, <laughs> on an average, how big is one of the buildings that you guys make? I would say the, the most average size that we do is some somewhere in that like 40 to 48 foot wide by like 64 foot long. So, you know, whatever that math is, 23,000 square foot. I don't know. Um, now I feel stupid that I don't know that off the top of my head. But so, so one more time, 48. Yeah, by 64. Like that would be a very, you know, similar or, you know, 3,000 square foot. Yeah. So <laughs> that's pretty big, man. For th- yeah. for, three for three dudes. For three guys. I'm thinking. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you I, see I'm these. Thinking, like me and John. It took me and John to make some cornhole boards. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you I know, mean, I mean. It's 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 all perspective. I mean, you know, with big machinery, you're not working physically, you know, for long periods of time because you might have to move some boards around. But then all the big work is done with a machine. So, like, we'll put up a 40 by 56 and we've done it a couple times this year. We'll we'll show up to just a bunch of piles of lumber. And with two to three guys, we'll have the whole thing framed up, ready for like steel by the end of the day. You know, and that's a lot of work. I go home, I'm super tired, but I'm also, me and Greg are both super competitive. And so it's it's not that we're competing against a, another contractor. We're just, hey, do you remember when we did this size building and we did it like in two days? Let's do it in like a day and a half. Now let's do it in a day. And we're, we're we just keep refining the process. I keep thinking, how can we do this? What can I do before I even show up to site to get get it done quicker? You know, it's not about cutting the corners, not like that meta- metaphorical corner, but, you know, how can we really do it um, quicker? You know, that's I awesome. That. That, I mean, I think that's a, a skill that, you know, you hear a lot of folks talk about in a, a way, especially especially if you're making uh, repetitive things. So if, if you're a product, you know, if you're if you're a cutting board guy or if you're a table gal and like you're making the same thing is that like that work can get draining. It can get repetitive and just monotonous. But then like having those little games with yourself, you know, whether it's like how many how many boards can I put on in, in, in an hour or can I get this done in this amount of time or, you know, like even even like the fun stuff, like I see you on, on the job site, right? Like I'm going to see if I can throw my hammer up and uh, catch in my tool belt, like, you know, just like little fun stuff like that where you're adding that uh 
you know, just adding that flair of having fun where it's not just the job and you're turning it into something that that can give you just a little bit of fire uh, in the business when you're doing that. And I think that's what a lot of our product folks uh, deal with when they're doing, you know, if you're doing custom work, that's that's great because the great thing about custom work is that everything's different, right? And so, you know, with John, like you look at John's builds, like almost every single one of John's builds are, are different. And so it's always a new challenge, even though it's a lot of the same processes. Uh, and the same thing with you, like, like every barn, I guess there probably are some spec barns, I'm sure you do, but I'm sure you add a little bit of flair to each one because they want to add in a little accoutrement or whatever to have have something that's just a little bit different. But, you know, it's all the same little things. Mm-hmm. I, I dug deep. I dug deep for that one. And I probably said it. Well, right and, you know, that. something that I should share is that I really do believe that having a computer science background where I was constantly being taught to minimize the minimize the amount of code used to get to the end result, because that is the way to be most efficient. So I've got that kind of mindset anyway. And then after college, um, in between this, I worked in IT for, you know, a year and a half or so. I did a little tiny stint where I was a production manager at a local factory while I was getting going, right? And so I went from this computer science background where it's all about process, process, process to watching these factory machines just repetitive, you know, factory motion. And I learned that it was all about efficiency. That was my job was to be as efficient as possible. How do we put the people in the right spot? How do we run the right products on the right machines, all this different stuff. And, and that's how I run my business. You know, I always think, how can we cut these boards as efficiently as possible? Well, we set it up this way. We'll take two seconds to make a jig or whatever it is. You know, it's just stuff that people don't think about, you know, they, they just do the way they watch their dad do it. Or they watch yeah. their boss do it. Yeah, I think it's interesting um, as far as like scale goes. You know, if I thought about building a wall right now in my head, you know, you're going to put your your plates and then you're going to run all your vertical posts in between it. Um, but you're going to cut you specifically. I've seen content like you're going to batch cut all of those with one cut with the biggest saw you can find. Right. Or like the most powerful, like uh, your brain becomes accustomed to these efficient processes um, and that happens over time. Like those are things that are learned. I'm sure like you didn't walk on the job site day one and have the most efficient process ever. And, um, and, and, you know, that's, that's just, that comes with, uh, experience, I believe. And I think it's so cool to see, um, once again, the scalability of how large the things you're building are, but how you can do it with only a couple guys. Um, a lot of us look at it and I mean, and me, you know, being one of them, um, you know, to scale my business and to get it to be what I want it to be as far as a furniture production business would be, you know, I obviously need more people. I can only do so much myself. And you think, you know, you start bringing on more and more and more and more and more. You're going to do more and more and more and more business. Right. But with that comes the headaches. I love how you touched on like you love running a three to four man crew because you still get to be intimate with the process and you get a lot more control, your creativity, you can find it. You can actually go and QC um, a lot of the things happening on a daily basis, and you can go and look at the flashing corners and make sure that everything's you know cocked and pinned correctly or whatever it might be. And you can go and make sure that the final touches that make our, our buildings what it is are actually done. When you get these massively scaled companies, those are the things that you know you lose because you're never going to find a clone of yourself. Um, so I think it's cool to see that applied on a massive scale when you're coming to three, four, five, and I'm sure you've done even bigger buildings, um, you know, square thousand square feet that is, um, in compared to like uh, making coffee tables. Mm-hmm. Processes are the same; they become scaled, um, and I think it's really cool to get that perspective on something that may be as large as what you're doing. Um, so you know, kind of like 
But I, I, this conversation is so interesting because it's so different, Brad. Right? Like we're 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 oh, yeah. we get like a different scale. Yeah, we <laughs> get we get uh, a lot of people that do very similar things to what we do, and like I am fascinated by. I've been staring at your Instagram this entire conversation as I do as I typically find myself in a rabbit hole on your page, and um and I'm just looking at like my goodness is the scope of what you're doing so massive um compared to what I'm used to. And then you're like, yeah, you know, I'll throw a building up and I'll have all the posts set and, uh, you know, framed up in a day. And I'm like, well, are you like, I couldn't do a shed in a weekend like you're doing these massive buildings. So like so in that, if you wanted to get started on something along these lines, like I'm, I'm sitting next to me, I have the timber frame home, um, the, the book, because I'm fascinated by timber framing. And I know it's not the same, but it's similar. There are similar things to it. Like if I wanted to build my own, you know, post uh, post post beam construction, excuse me, not post, post beam, frame. right? post frame construction, you know, where would I go? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm itching now. Like I'm, I'm looking for property after this conversation. <laughs> I mean, first I would recommend you to go watch, you know, some of my build series on YouTube because I definitely, you know, I've, I've started to really dive into showing that process. Um, once again, just because people ask for it and I feel like I'm inclined if I have the ability, if I can do it, I'm going to do it. Um, so I, I've kind of tried to take people through that process from start to finish. Obviously I am building every day. I can't show every intimate detail. I can't, you know, physically it's almost impossible because I, I just got to turn the camera off sometimes and I can't be, you know, always in front of it. Um, we're running a business, but I'm hoping, you know, as time grows, that's really the only way I, or the only major reason I want to monetize what I'm doing is to be able to afford the ability to have a higher level of production, you know, so that I can show really the whole thing. But um, there's not much knowledge on post-frame construction. And that's why I think my feeds have really grown is because people that want that knowledge, that see it and think, I want to do this, there's nowhere to go. Um, the industry, um, let's see, it's the NFBA, the National Frame Builders Association, is, is I'm a member of that and they've they've tried to you know create some content around post frame and how to build it what it's used for but you know it's just not real enjoyable to watch so I don't and they don't do a really good job of marketing themselves so you know fortunate for me I'm really the only guy out there on a higher level with a, a decent following that's putting out any content on post frame that's awesome. I th- I love that that like I, I mean I can just, it's it's great watching from the outside because uh you know we we can see you we can see you like going through that discovery process of like you know you're you're doing your full time production and your traditional R buildings but now you're seeing these opportunities which have always which have to this point been uh, you know a bit a bit uh, altruistic and a bit just self. Uh, you know, giving your yourself that motivation and just an outlet. And then it's like, well, hey, what like, I mean, like to me, I like in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, you need to like, there needs to be the R buildings, like you're selling a whole spec sheet, you know, you've got plans that you're selling for a 100 bucks a pop that are whatever they are, you know, that are this and you can sit them in there. And plus, it's a tutorial. And there's a whole let like, you know, there's this whole other thing that uh, that is that it sounds like there's an unserved market. So it's really cool to see to see you, you know, in that discovery process and that you're, you know, you're already in there serving that community and giving people all this great free content, which is, which is awesome. And as you start 
buying down and and you know it's been said a hundred times is like the riches are in the niches like when you find an unserved niche like that like people are people are clearly flocking to you and they're like this is so cool and and some people just like to see the way it is but there's gonna be other people who want that information and now you know this could be an additional portion of your business that lets you like exactly what you said now it gives you a reason to go in and put that production value because you've clearly got an eye for it. Even though you think you're not creative, you clearly got an eye for the production of that type of video and how to show it. And just like you said, it's almost like, you know, when you get that government training video and you're like, uh, uh, like I don't <laughs> oh, want to ever watch this again. Like you can, you can make it sexy. You can make it fun. You can make it super informative and exciting uh, and, and it's just awesome, man. I, I like, I I'm stoked for you just hearing and just thinking, I'm like, Oh dude, I can't wait to see what he comes out with. And like all this stuff, because the, there's a ton of opportunity and it sounds like it's really untapped. Yeah. I think those opportunities are all in the back of my mind, Brad. Um, I, I get asked for house plans, barn plans, like all the time. And I think ultimately if I can produce content on a build series, like I've done and then cap it off with a set of plans and a a set of material lists. Like there's all of these things that I know are there for the taking. I mean, it's just easy money in a sense because I'm already doing it. I just have to either commit my additional time that I don't have to do it, or I need to take a step back off of the job site, or I need to hire somebody. And those are all decisions that as a type A guy, like I want to do it. I want that control. And I know it's my <laughs> downfall. It's like the reason I feel successful is because I do everything to my best ability, but I need to, you know, allow other people to help me do the things I'm not capable of, you know? Yeah. It, it just, it is so fun to have, like we, we get to have conversations with awesome guys and gals like you. And like, we literally just got off the phone with, with our the interview who we just had, Johnny Brooke from Crafted Work. Like we literally just had this exact same conversation. This is something that everybody struggles with as not everybody, but uh, the vast majority because we uh, we have the Superman syndrome. We want to do it ourselves. We're type A. We want to make sure it gets done right. Uh, and so releasing those reins and letting go and delegating is, is very hard for most of us. Uh, but there is so much freedom in it when you can get it done. So it, it's really cool to hear you you know, you're, you're going through that battle right now. And John and I are right there with you, man. Like, you know, we're trying to find editors to do our editing for our videos, to, to take that off our plate and, and, you know, people to manage inquiry lists and all these other things, because like you said, like it, there's, there's opportunity, uh, but we can't do everything ourselves and nobody can do everything yourself. So you gotta, you gotta figure out where's your time best spent. Yep. So um, one thing we ask as we, you know, get closer to the end of the hour here, um, all of our guests is like, if you had a piece of advice to give um, to anybody listening about, you know, whatever it might be, um, especially like starting your own business and in, in that, um, what would it be? Well, I, I always, because I get this question quite a bit, uh, how do I start my own business and what do I do to be successful? And if you are specifically a contractor, I'm sure you guys come across the same thing. You get these inquiries you get phone calls, you get emails, whatever it, it be. I mean, I started off, everything was phone call. There was not much. I mean, this goes back 11, 12 years ago. Things were fairly fresh. Um, if you want to be successful in my line of work, it is so easy. You answer the phone, you, you know, you be a nice person. Um, <laughs> that's the first thing. And then you get back to the, your, your potential client in a timely manner with a fair price. And I guarantee you, 
nine out of 10 times, you will get that job. Because the thing I hear the most is either it took forever for these fo- these people to call me back. Someone gave me your name. You called me within, you know, a day and you got me a price, you know, a reasonable price. I don't even have their numbers back, but this is, you know, in the ballpark of what I thought. I'm just going to give you the job. And it's like that conversation has been the same conversation over the last 11 years so many times. Even in the downturn of the economy, um, if you're just a good person that does fair work for a fair price, you don't even have to be the best, guys. You just need to do a good job and you will be more successful than, than you know. But people get complacent, they get lazy, and they just, you know, they're not hungry for it. So they stop returning the phone calls right away. They, you know, they get wrapped up in life. They get wrapped up in running a business. And you just always got to come back to the point, you know, where you're at that stage where you're hungry for everything. You go after everything and you, you know, you're a good person. Yeah, I dig that. I mean, Brad's talked about before how important the response is or how important follow-up is um, on the show. And for, for someone like yourself who's doing, I mean, these buildings they're uh, they're not cheap. I mean, and obviously, and large scale construction is not cheap. So, in that, you know, you're losing out on a lot of business if you're not following up. So, something as simple as replying in a timely manner to an inquiry can be life or death for a small business. hundred um, percent. You know, a, a lot of us are we struggle with time management, and there's so many struggles in owning your own business, and you work through those things over time. But if you can keep something like responding in a timely manner as one of your top priorities. You can get through the muck and you can swim through it in order to keep that pipeline full and get through the rest of the stuff. I mean, I know I struggle with it um, as far as custom furniture was going was like there's so many inquiries coming in the door. I can't respond fast enough to get them all um, get them all done in an ample time. And I hired an assistant and she was handling it. And I got to a point where I was just like, I'm done. Like, I can't I'm not doing custom work anymore. Like, I need to focus on what's making me happy because it was driving me insane. And that's kind of where you got you were you were touching on uh tangentially was like, you know, you got to get that hunger and drive. Like if that's not there, you're not going to do it regardless. And if you're just doing it because it's an opportunity, it's completely different than if you're passionate about it. And you obviously have the passion for what you're doing. You have the passion for the business, the community. And there's just uh, such, such a, it makes little things a lot easier. So, you know, kind of in that context, if you're listening to this and you're listening to Uh, all these inspirational words coming from Kyle, you know, you want to evaluate what you're doing with your life. You want to see where you're at in this moment. And if you're not happy, why aren't you happy? And if you're, if you're doing something that you're kind of makes you happy, but you're doing the crap that doesn't, that's where that stuff you need to cut. You need to cut the fat and you need to find where, what truly drives you. Because when you get to that point, that's where you're going to see true success. And you're going to be able to follow a path very similar to what you're doing and whatever you're making. You can be making tables or buildings or leather pouches or drawing yeah. and selling artwork, like whatever it might be. Um, I think that's hugely valuable. Dude, I, I always tell this too. I mean, and people are like, you gave up computer science in IT, working in the city, like good paying good paying job to go swing a hammer. And it's like, dude, I didn't, I didn't go, you know, I don't want to work every day following money. Like I followed my passion. And like you said, Brad, riches are in the niches. Like my passion just drove me down this path of like this niche. And now I probably make more money than I ever would have working 20 years for the man doing computer design, software, IT, or anything. You know, it's just don't follow the money. Just follow your passion. The the money's going to come. Love it. Love it. That's that's fantastic, dude. 
What a treat, man. We definitely need to, to have uh, more folks from the contracting side. So we're, we're really glad to have you on as our first from that area of the business, man. So uh, the insights have been fantastic. And I'm sure there's a bunch of people uh, that are going to be inspired and trying to figure out how to get their dream shop to be a postcard. <laughs> so just yeah. contact Kyle. He will respond within one day because yeah. he's hungry. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> be prepared for the wait because he'll be, he's going to be that guy if he's not already that uh, you got to get on the short list. So dude, love it, man. Thank you so much for spending some time with us here, Kyle, and, and helping uh, share your story with the audience, bud. <laughs> All right. So that was such an awesome interview. Kyle is extremely inspiring and just an absolute blast to talk to anytime you get a chance. If you guys want to see more information from him, make sure you're checking out the show notes at madeforprofit.com forward slash episode 62. We'll have links to his website, his Instagram and his YouTube channel. Also, make sure that you're following us on Instagram at Made for Profit to keep up with what's going on in the daily. Find out what we're talking about, what the tribe's up to and to drop us some question and engage with everybody. This episode was an absolute blast and we had so much fun talking to Kyle. Thank you all for tuning in and I'm going to jump into this after show. See you on the next one.